chapter 5. We're going to look at both of those portions of Scripture this morning. And uh, just a lesson that I uh, did just a few weeks ago. And uh, I uh, was in Mississippi and uh, I was teaching there in a church. And uh, I was praying this week and just seemed like the Lord was directing me to this the, the text here. And so i um, talk to you a little bit about that this morning. But uh, so good. I love Brother Dale. I just appreciate the opportunity to be here. And, and I was honored when he asked us to come back again. And I love being able to go to churches for the first time. But I also love being able to come back. And then when I come back, it's exciting to get to see new faces. And, and that tells me that uh, you're on the move here. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing, going out, reaching people, and bringing them in. And so I thank the Lord for that. How many are here this morning that are hearing me for the very first time? Raise your hand. This is your first time. All right. Got a few? All right. Wonderful. Well, I was going to just say a little bit about my uh, uh, update. And if you'll notice, the last time I was here, uh, I was dealing with uh, much more pain than I am now. And uh, I uh, still had the pain. Nothing has changed as far as my uh, situation and disease other than uh, the medicine that I've been taking over the last four months. And uh, I went in. I had the pain stimulator. I had that last time I was here. And they took that out. And it just because it just it wasn't working, they tried so many different programs on it. And uh, even the inventor of it in, uh, uh, out of L.A., California, he would call me on the phone. He would try to do things. And it's like, this thing's in my back. And over the phone, he's doing things. And it's making that thing do things. And that was spooky to me, you know. And uh, I was kind of glad to get that thing out of my back, you know. And he might call me in the middle of the night. No one knows what he's doing to me. Shock me while I'm asleep. But, uh, you know, we, we live in some unusual days today. But anyway, it didn't work. And they took it out. I walked into the office and the doctor said, I am so sorry. We just, we have no, we, we just don't have anything else to offer you. And he said, I feel terrible about that. And he said, of all people, we wanted to help you. And uh, I, I was like, well, on the inside, I was saying, yeah, I, I was hoping you had something else too. And uh, this is not the news I wanted to hear. He said, well, I know how you feel about taking new medicines. And I had taken a, a whole gamut of them over the last six years, and, and most of them with not good side effects and uh, just, you know, make you sick. And if you take medicine, you probably know a little bit about that. And um, I wasn't really a fan of starting any newer medication. I thought, okay, I can just accept where I'm at. We'll take it. I'll go with it. And he said, however, there's a new medicine that's just come out. And he said, uh, if you're willing to try it, I'm willing to write your prescription. He said, I guess we can try it. And uh, he said, I'll leave it up to you, whatever you want to do with it. So he wrote the prescription. I took it home. I put it on the shelf inside the kitchen there by the microwave. And I let it sit there for six weeks. I, I didn't even feel it. I didn't even, I, I just, I don't know. It just didn't, you know, when you get so many disappointments, like, I just don't know if I want to try it or not. <clears throat> and... Um, so I was reading in Proverbs one morning. For years, I've always read a proverb every day. And I just happened to be that morning, Proverbs 17. Verse 22, and a merry heart doeth good like a... And I don't know why, it just hit me. And it was like the Holy Spirit was saying, are you going to feel it or not? <clears throat> and so I went, got it, took this pharmacist, I filled the prescription, I brought it home, didn't say anything to my wife or my children, nobody. I just started taking it. And I was so scared thinking, okay, what's, what's it going to be like tomorrow? You know, and, and for four months now, I've had no side effects. 
and uh, it's a long-lasting medicine, whereas before I was taking pain pills every two hours, and, which is not good for you, and I just didn't want to continue to live life that way, but uh, I take two pills now, one at nine in the morning, one at nine at night, and so far it has maintained my pain to a very low level. And to God be the glory. And uh, I praise the Lord for it. Uh, I don't want to give all the credit to medicine. I'd rather give all the credit to God. And, uh, but uh, I thank the Lord for it. But also I want to thank you for praying for me. And uh, for our family, our ministry. Uh, I just believe it's through your prayers that all of that was somehow orchestrated. And so thank you so very much from the bottom of my heart. And for about three months now, I've been able to preach and not have to move around like I was normally doing. And uh, I've had a Sunday or two here and there where it's uh, <clears throat> been a little bit uh, uh, uncomfortable. And I still have my moments with things. But, hey, I'm in a much better place. And to God be the glory. I thank the Lord for that and give you a report. If anybody did not get one of our brochures, I have some on the table out in the foyer. And it tells about our ministry, Treasure Trials. And uh, as you know, I don't have to tell you, uh, everywhere around America, every church I'm in every week, uh, I promise you there are people going through trial after trial after trial after trial. And I know we're getting close to the day of the Lord coming back because I have never seen as many people going through trials as we are seeing today. <clears throat> and I believe the devil is, uh, knows his time's running out, for which we're thankful and praise God for that. And uh, be glad to know we can live life with no devil around. Wouldn't that be a blessing? And uh, so, uh, uh, but until then, he's going to pull out all stops. He's going to try to create havoc in our life. He's going to try to put thorns in our fleshes and cause all kinds of distractions in life. And, uh, but uh, I'm thankful that we have a God that's still uh, tolling the shots. And uh, I thank the Lord for that. Well, let's look at our lesson here this morning, Proverbs chapter 3, if you look there. And uh, you'll notice your little handout there. I'm going to go kind of quickly here. Uh, this is called the bondage test. On the back of the paper, you'll notice there's a 10, uh, a 10 uh, uh, question test. Now, I'm going to let you fill that out maybe later today. Take it home with you this week. Kind of uh, think about it, mull it over a little bit. <clears throat> but if there's one thing I think I've seen in a lot of our churches around America that I think the devil is doing, he's trying to put God's people into bondage. And uh, uh, I, I think it's very evident because wouldn't you agree? Our country's in severe bondage. I mean, it is just amazing. It's a mess. Uh, I don't know if my son, the youngest, who's 10, I doubt he will ever see our country uh, uh, any better than where it's at now. Now I, now, I know all things are possible with God, and thank God for that, and I believe that. But I'm talking about on a financial realm, uh, uh, just, you know, morality, and just as you look around the country, uh, it, we're in a mess. I mean, we are in a mess, and it seems like nobody has any answers for it. But I know one that does, and his name is God. And uh, whenever we have bondage, face bondage in our lives, it causes us to act and react in some uh, difficult ways. And we don't want the devil getting all the glory and all the credit. We don't want that at all. And I still believe in revival. I still believe we can see God's blessings on us individually, uh, on our marriages, on our homes, on our children, and on our churches. Uh, but in order to do that, to see that, we have to be free from bondage. 
And so this lesson is that. So we'll look back over the front side here and let me just read. If you'll hold your finger in Nehemiah chapter 5 and very, uh, uh, very, very familiar passages here this morning. Look at verse 5, 6, and 7 in Proverbs chapter 3. Now, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Now, if we do all three of these verses here, God promises us in continuing verses that he's going to bless. He's going to do great mighty things that we never dreamed possible. And he's going to do so many good things in so many different areas of our life. And, and, and I, so I, when I saw this, I started putting some notes down and I really didn't know that I'd turn this into a lesson, but that's just kind of how the Lord uh, brought about. And so uh, we're going to go to Nehemiah here in just a little bit and we're going to see in reference to Nehemiah's day how that while the people of God were doing a great work for God, I mean they were rebuilding the walls that the enemy had burned them down and uh, uh, destroyed their safety barriers, their protection walls. And just like we kind of see in our world, which we live in, the enemy's trying to come from the outside to get inside and then work his way in, back out. And <clears throat> even in that day, it caused the people of God to be in severe bondage. I mean, because Satan was attacking. And while a good work was going on, and most of the time, that's when we'll see the heaviest bondage come in our life is when we're doing the greatest works for God. Because you see, the devil is not after the people who are not in church today. He already has them. He already won with them. Who he's after today are the people sitting inside these walls right here. I mean, he is after us. And what does he want to do? Create bondage in our life. Why does he want bondage? Because the heavier the bondage we have, uh, the less we will attempt to do for God. And anything he can get us to do to halt from living for God, doing things for God, certainly seeing people saved, he sure doesn't want to see that. So what does he do? He creates these things in our lives, and lo and behold, our flesh, which is easy to fall prey to Satan's attacks, if we are not careful, we'll see ourselves fall right into this bondage trap. So I want you to notice on your lesson here this morning, you'll notice here, uh, <clears throat> I won't go back over these verses, but you'll notice it says financial bondage. It's an ongoing problem. It has been for thousands of years, and we're going to see it. But God's plan has always been that his children should not live in financial bondage to anything or anyone. Now, I won't ask anybody to raise your hand about how many people have had some kind of financial bondage in your life. But I can tell you this, my wife and I, this October will be 32 years of marriage. Uh, we've had some difficult financial times. I doubt any marriage has gone through all the years of your marriage and not had some difficult times. Uh, but I will say this, that even when the most difficult time came in our life was when this trial hit us six years ago and all of a sudden I'm without a job, I'm without a paycheck, I'm without insurance. I mean, I'm without anything. A cure, a doctor, or a hospital that even wants to treat me. I can honestly tell you, my wife and I would say, we had never been more fearful in all of our life. I mean, at 46, 47 years old, it's like starting all over again when this happened. Like, wow, what in the world is going on? 
Talk about total collapse. What is Satan doing? And uh, I believe with all my heart, he was just like he did Apostle Paul. He was trying to put a thorn in our flesh to stop us from doing anything for the cause of Christ. And to God be the glory, I'm so glad that God has given me help and uh, this opportunity because I want to do more for God now than I've ever wanted to do in my life. And, and in order to do that, we had to understand that God has to have his rightful place in our life or it'll never work. And a lot of times, sad to say, more people continue to live in bondage just because we don't see our way out as we see it with our eyes instead of seeing it as God sees it. So I want you to look with me. Verse number eight, notice three things here that we have to watch for. <clears throat> and uh, well, just prior to that, you'll notice verse number eight. Here's what I call uh, God's plan for his children is to live uh, according to his promises. And let me just give you three things. One's in verse 8, one's in verse 9 and 10, and one's in verse 13. You can fill in the blank as we go through here kind of quickly. And three things I think God wants us to do. Look at verse 8. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. What shall be? If we live, verse 5, 6, and 7. Trust the Lord with all our heart. In all our ways acknowledge him. And, and, and lean on him and not our own selves and be not wise in our own eyes. It shall be, what's the next word? Health. Write that in the blank. God wants us to live in health. Isn't that amazing? That's the first thing he tells us. Notice he didn't say, I want you to live wealth first. He said health first. I, I, and, and by the way, there is so much, I wish I had time to dive into this, there's so much in the Bible that God wants us to have as far as our bodies. And by the way, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And God wants us to take care of our temple. And if we take care of our temple, what's that going to allow us to do? Serve God better, serve God longer, serve God in a greater capacity. The more healthy we are, the better life is going to be. So, number one, what does he want us to do? He wants us to live according to his promises, and that is health. Now, look at the next one, verse 9 and 10. <clears throat> Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Now, we know that he's talking here about uh, tangible things, material things, money, substance. And, and he says here, Honor the Lord with thy substance. It's interesting here that God did not put that first. Because I believe God knows us very well. We might would make that the idol of our life. He said health first and then number two, wealth. Next, look at verse 10. He says, so shall thy barns be filled with how much? Plenty. And then he says, <clears throat> and, our, uh, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. In other words, Somehow, maybe many years ago, sometimes I feel God's people bought into the idea that God never wants his people to be blessed financially. That's totally against the Bible. God wants his people to be blessed financially. He wants us to be bursting out with new and more and more. And, 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 and I know, for the love of money is the root of all evil. I totally agree with that in Timothy. But God is not against money. God is not against materialistic things. If that's the case, you notice several people in the Bible, Job, very wealthy man. God trusted him. 
How did Job live the life he did? He had a lot of stuff. He had a lot of money. He had more than anybody on earth at that time. But I say it this way. Job knew how to not let his stuff have him. He knew how to put God in his rightful place. So, and, and, and why he wants us to be in good health, I believe, is because Satan sometimes wants to attack us in the number one area before he gets us in our money, our health. Think about that. <clears throat> you think right now, how many people do you know are going through health problems? It's massive. I mean, it is massive. Every town we drive into, there are brand new drugstores being built everywhere. Every hospital that I have driven by in the last four years is building on, adding on. I mean, it just, it's amazing, the process. So, number one, God wants us to be in good health. He wants us to have wealth. Then notice number three, verse 13. Happy is the man. Happy means delighted, means content, means just, just what it says. Happy is the man that findeth what? Wisdom. <clears throat> and the man that getteth understanding. Put in the third blank, wisdom. So, three things, God's plan, health, Wealth and wisdom. Will you say them together with me? Health, wealth, and wisdom. God is for these things. You've got to have good health in order to have wealth. And when you get health and wealth, don't forget you need wisdom because you need wisdom to know where did you get the health and where did you get the wealth. From God, not self. So it's very simple. Now, three things we must watch for. Let's go down to the next three lines here, and I'll let you fill those in. Look in, if you would, in uh, <clears throat> verse number seven. Number one thing we have to be watched for is this. Be not wise in thine own eyes. There it is, point number one. <laughs> Got to be careful about self, uh, pride, whatever you want to put in the blank there. Got to be careful that we don't take the credit for it. You know, I'm thankful to be four months into this new medicine. And, and yeah, I still, I don't like the fact that I'm living on medicine. But I believe with all my heart, God can still heal. I believe that with all my heart. And with God, all things are possible. And we have to believe that. I mean, what is life if we have not faith and we have not hope? And so we must. But <clears throat> I believe that's going to be one of the number one factors that the devil's going to try to attack us to bring us into bondage. So we got to be careful that we don't look at things in our perspective. We must see it as God sees it. Number two, I want you to notice the second thing. Look with me if you would <clears throat> in verse 7. Number one, be not wise in thine own eyes. Next three words, would you say them out loud? Fear the Lord. Put that in number two blank. We must watch that we have a fear of God. Now, God doesn't want us to be afraid of him, does he? God doesn't want us to be afraid of him. He wants us to have a respect of him and awe of him. It's like God wants to be so much number one in our life that we just say, I wouldn't even dare go there. He is everything to me. Now that's how you fear God. Boy, wouldn't you agree? America needs some fear of God back in our country today. Our churches, our homes, our families. I had somebody asked me the other day, he said, how have you lived all your life and been in church? Now, this person had been in church all their life. I said, it's a fear of God. And I said, I'm not afraid that if I skip, you know, uh, uh, skip church, oh, is God going to kill me? Well, he, he could do that, I guess, if he chose to. 
But God doesn't want us to live. Uh, he doesn't want us to die for him. He wants us to live for him. And so it's just a perspective thing. So number one, watch, being wise in your own eyes. Watch number two, that you have a fear of God. Then number three, notice verse seven. Depart from evil. That's number three. Stay away from anything that has the appearance of evil. I mean, that's it. If it even looks evil, go the other way. Job was a man who feared God, who loved God, and eschewed evil. Remember that word you read across like, wow, what does that word mean? Whenever evil was anywhere close, Job went neatly the opposite. Wherever it's at. I mean, you know what it's like. We were in Walmart last night. My son and I, we just ran in real quick, and, and <clears throat> we had to pick up a couple things. And we're, we're at the checkout counter, and lo and behold, what did they put there? All this filthy stuff. I mean, it was right there. And I'm like getting jacked, you know. It's like, okay, we got to walk through kind of like this, you know. I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, evil is present all around. And, and, and not just the billboards, but I mean, just it, it's just our world we live in. And uh, we were driving up the freeway. I forget what state we were in the other way. And huge billboard. And I'm just driving through it like, oh, my goodness. And it was a car dealership. It said, come drive our cars nude. Really? I mean, it just, it's everywhere you look. So God, wow, how amazing God was. Said, here's how I want you to live. Not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Evil, stay away from. So let's go to Nehemiah chapter 5. Let's go there if we can real quickly. And let's look at some things here as we see here. And uh, as I said, Nehemiah was a great man. He was doing a great job for God. And God was blessing him. <clears throat> and I want to give you the next thing. There's five things that cause financial bondage. Now I gave you that as preference first because we have to have those in perspective in order to understand if we're even close to being in some kind of financial bondage. So uh, let's look at Nehemiah chapter number five. Now, they're doing a great job here. They're building this wall. And I wish I had time to go into it, but this wall was massive. I mean, and they built this wall in record number of days, 52 days. They say that some places this wall was so wide that they could have chariot races around the top of it. Now, that's massive. And the Kentucky Derby thinks their field's big. I mean, this is amazing. We lived in Seattle for 15 years. I, was, I taught Nehemiah, and I did some uh, uh, number crunching. And I come to find out, uh, Seattle, the city of Seattle, the city limits there, and the city that they were trying to build this wall around were so close to being in comparison. Three million people on the inside. Now, that's massive. And here they're building this wall in 52 days from the ground up. Why? Because the enemy had burned the walls down and had set out to put God's people who were doing God's work in bondage. Because if I can weigh them down, they won't keep doing a work for me. Isn't it amazing? Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Oh, what a great God. So look here in chapter 5, verse 1. And there was a great cry of the people and of their wives against their brethren, the Jews. Now notice, we see the first two lines there. There was a great cry. Here we already see it. They're building a great wall. They're doing a great work. But guess how the people's lives are? They're, they're in great affliction. They're in great bondage. And, and if you'll notice, 
you know, uh, how they were. Let's skip over in chapter 5 and let's go way <clears throat> over to verse number 18. <clears throat> Nehemiah kind of tells us here in the last part of this verse. We'll come back to this in a second. He says in verse 18, Now that which was prepared for me daily was one ox and six choice sheep, also fowls were prepared for me, and once in ten days store of all sorts of wine, Yet for all this required not I the bread of the governor. Notice this last line. Because the bondage was heavy upon this people. That tells us what the great cry was all about back in verse 1. They were in so much bondage. And just like I look around today and I see the devil doing the same thing. Maybe even a greater capacity than he did in that day. And, and it's amazing how to see that. So... <clears throat> Uh, we're going to go through these verses real quickly here. Uh, we have to be careful for financial bondage. It, it's not fun living in that kind of bondage. And so if he can attack our health, then he's going to try to get to our wealth, and he's going to try to get us in bondage. <clears throat> when I first knew as a pastor that uh, my eyes kind of became open to financial things and debt, and I knew I was going to need to teach on it in my church, I had a couple came into my office one day they brought their checkbook their bills everything and they said pastor you preach all the time that if we need help in the direction of life we can come to you and you'll help us right and I said sure I'll be glad to help you and they brought out a bag and they started emptying that bag out on my desk and they said we'd have no idea how to get out of debt we don't even know how to pay our bills without having an argument and they said so we're turning it all over to you when you get it all fixed you just, uh, you let me know. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Wait a minute here. Whoa, time out. What are you talking about? And I, and I mean, wow. And I'm not kidding you. When we sat there for about three hours that Saturday afternoon, I'll never forget. I have never felt so much in bondage myself because of their bondage. It was their debt. They looked and they said, Pastor, they said, the house we have, we're, we're having difficulty paying our bills. Their house payment was $3,250 a month. That's the first mortgage. Second mortgage was a little over $800. I about had a heart attack right there for them. Man, what in the world? And then two car payments, both over $400 a month. Oh, we're not done. Six, seven credit cards, almost $80,000. I wanted to look at him and cry and say, I don't know what to tell you. There's no hope. It's over. I'm sorry. Let's just, let's just all go down together. I mean, I was like, wow, you're kidding me. And then I thought, wow, if this couple, I wonder if there's another. And maybe another. I started teaching on it in our church and it's like, wow, I could not believe it. Folks started coming to me. I had to stop. I can't do any more checkbooks, okay, folks? I didn't I pay my own bills. I'm serious. I took some people's over to, and wrote their bills, paid their bills for them until they could get back on track. And by the way, we did help them. They lost their home. They had to sell it. They had no choice. They had to get rid of the cars. I mean, you have to make some major cuts. Where did it all come from? I think they were telling me, Pastor, we want to do more for God. But we can't because we're in so much bondage. And so, number one, here's what we got to watch out for. 
the first thing that I see here is uh, when we're looking at uh, these things in bondage. Number one, notice verse one. There was a great cry of the people and of their wives against their brethren. Number one, put this in the blank. Watch for strife. If there's one thing the devil likes to do is he likes to get us to have strife. I don't have time to go to Matthew, but Matthew says, If a house be divided against itself, it shall not stand. Got to be careful about fighting over money. And that was what they were doing. Wait a minute. Isn't there a good work going on? There sure is. Miraculous work. In fact, thousands of years we're still talking about it. Strike. Number two, quickly. I want you to notice here. I'm going to get my clock out here, preacher. <laughs> Notice number two quickly. Uh, no, verse number two. For there were that said, We are sons and our daughters are many, therefore we take up corn for them that we may eat and live. There was a shortage of their daily necessities. What were they fighting over? They didn't have enough food to eat. I mean, it was amazing how the Satan was attacking them. Anybody ever been that way? My wife and I, we've been that way. I was like, where's the next meal going to come from? Oh, ye of little food, where's where it going to come from? <laughs> How are we going to make it? And boy, isn't it great to know there's a God. How's He want us to live? In health and wealth and wisdom. So, number three, notice verse 33. Some also there were that said, We have mortgaged our lands and vineyards and houses that we might buy corn. Because of the dearth. Dearth means famine. We are so broke and so poor and so under bondage. We're fighting over this. And, and, and we don't even have food to eat. Now we're having to sell our houses and our lands and our, our children and grandchildren's future just so we can make it. You see the bondage they're in? See how much it so correlates with where we are in America today? We've mortgaged our futures. You can't turn on a news station anywhere, anywhere. It doesn't matter which network, and you'll hear that time to time. Our debt is so much, our kids and grandkids and great-grandkids' futures are done away with. Here they are, Satan. Boy, I don't like the devil, do you? He's evil. And he's not attacking the world. He's attacking God's people. Number four, quickly. Uh, notice the next thing, verse number four. <clears throat> There were also that said, We have borrowed money for the king's tribute, and that upon our lands and vineyards. Anybody said, What king's tribute? Does that, name, that sound familiar? We term it a little differently today. Still tarts with the letter T, but it's taxes. We can't even pay our taxes now. And, and wow. And you say, Well, I don't agree with taxes. Well, I, I guess I could say, Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I don't agree in excessive taxes. I know we've got to pay tax. Uh, but, I, I mean, you know, I think we'd all agree it, it kind of gets excessive. And this is where they were. Just to pay the taxes, they had mortgaged their lands. And in other words, they borrowed money to pay other debts. Then number five, lastly, <clears throat> it was, uh, Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children. And lo, we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters to be servants. And some of our daughters are brought into bondage already. Neither is it our power to redeem them. For other men have our lands and vineyards. Wow. Notice the last thing. They sold out their children's futures. 
So five things to watch for. Now, I'm done with that part there, and uh, maybe throughout the week we'll talk a little more about that. But on the back, you have this test. I'm going to let you go. Uh, you can just ask yourself these questions. Are you in financial bondage? You take the test home, uh, fill it out. Now, remember what to watch for while you fill it out. No strife. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> no strife. Okay. Uh, uh, you don't ask yourself these questions and then grade it. Down at the bottom, you'll say, usually if two or more of these are true, then most likely 